What do you do if you live in a city like, oh, I don't know, Baltimore, and you find out your building got sold and your rent's going to go up 30%? Well, if you're like these two, you figure out that breaking your lease will actually save you $10,000. So you do that, you find a home to buy, and your monthly payment is 50 bucks more than the rent they were going to charge you. Let's hear this story. Gang, this is an amazing interview. I'm going to give you some of the highlights right now. We've got newlyweds. We've got one income because he's still in school. We've got people who end up paying only $50 more a month than what their rent was going to be since, guess what? Their rent's going up 30%. So gang, it's true. Breaking your lease is sometimes the right thing for you to do. There's lots of great information in here talking about how they use the podcast to help them with credit with budgeting, with finding apps to help them figure out how to start their plan and then eventually get the place. There's also some really fun couple stuff here so you can see how it works to buy a home when one person's researching like crazy and the other person has a dad who works in real estate. That was pretty interesting. And listen close because there's also a really good tip here on avoiding wire fraud. All right, let's hear from Allison and Ephraim. Okay, everybody. Well, let's get right to it. Introduce yourself to the world. Say hi to the homies. Who are you? Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Ephraim. Hi, guys. Okay, so we're going to get to know you in just a little bit, but people are here because, frankly, they're mad at you because you have a house and they don't. So tell them what you guys did. Give us a little one of your tips and tricks, your best tip. and I'm going to put the ending right up front. What are some of your best tips? I think our best tips were definitely if you can get help from a relative to help give you a gift when you are going to buy a house, super awesome. And also another big thing is making sure your DTI is as low as possible. Save money. That's really interesting you just say that. So first of all, anyone out there listening who doesn't have a relative or anyone, I say this all the time on my Thanksgiving podcast. I believe that you're probably going to have a better shot than people who do have that luxury because you've been busting your butt all your life on your own. So God bless you. And you can still do this. DTI, I just heard today, the usual percentage is like between 28 and 26 of how much your mortgage is, not your debt to income, but just last year it went up to like 34%. So... That means if you're using 34% of your paycheck and, I don't know, 25% on top of that goes to debt, you can't afford very much house. So, uh, okay, well, that was a good icebreaker. So, hi, guys. Tell us about yourself. Where are you guys in the world? Now, you don't have to give us your address, but just for other people who might be in your area. So, we're located in a suburb of Baltimore, Maryland, 20 minutes north of Baltimore. Yeah, northwest. So who was the podcast listener, Ephraim or Allison? Allison was. 100% me. Lady with the brains makes everything happen. (laughs) Ephraim, are you a believer now? So I've always been a believer. My dad was into real estate and things like that in Baltimore. So I had a general understanding of the process we were going through. I had just never sat down with him to go through the process. So that was the first time experience. It means that dad knew everything. He knew a little. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, I have been there. You guys should have heard my dad when I first told him I was doing a podcast. A what? <laughs> so, okay, so tell us about your journey then. Even if you had real estate in, in your blood, was this always a plan to buy a home? Yeah, so I, I think for me, my dad kind of got into the real estate game when I was in high school. And he kind of, even before that, he drilled it into us to find some way to make passive income. And so for him, that was real estate investment properties and doing stuff like that. And so for me, one of the things I really was looking for when we bought this home is when we move, I would like to start our portfolio with the house we are in now. And so that was one of the thought processes for me when choosing a home is I want something that we can easily market to a renter in the area. I tell people all the time, if your realtor at the very beginning is talking to you about trying to keep your house, then you know that person has your best interest at heart because they're giving away a sale in five, seven years. I tell every first time home buyer, if you can, so if you start your planning like that, that's so interesting. So then what were you guys doing as far as the saving side of stuff? Allison, you were obviously out researching things. So so definitely through like a Google search, literally could find absolutely nothing until I came across your heavenly page for sure. I think our biggest thing with savings was that we actually just got married like a year and a half ago. So we're fairly newlywed and it was kind of like, we need to save money. My husband's also a student right now. So that was kind of another thing where we're kind of working on one income and it's like, all right, how do we tackle this when you're wasting money on rent and then you have expenses and on one income, how do you kind of make that happen? So I think the biggest thing for us that we did with savings was literally, here's our paycheck. We're putting this much away every single month, cutting back on you know, some of the great things like going out to eat, Netflix, cable, some of those extras for that short term so we can make the long term happen. Wow. Kudos to you guys. I mean, I have so many people that will put it off because of a wedding, because of school. This is great, though. I had an interview a little while ago with someone who got out of school and his partner was staying in grad school and he figured out how to do it on the one income. So did you guys figure out, was it one income? Yeah, it ended up being much. ended up being one income. And it's kind of like one of those things where you have to make sure the numbers work. And if they don't, sometimes you're better off waiting a little longer for us. And I'm sure we'll get into that later. But biggest thing was just that you stick to your numbers. If you don't have the numbers, you can't do it. Or again, you have to sacrifice a little bit now for the long term. Gosh, I love that. I know it's hard, but... I heard another stat today, 73% of Americans have less than $1,000 saved. So if you think it's hard, bear in mind, Allison and Ephraim here are phenomenal people, and but figured out how to do it on one income, you just have to tell yourself, oh my gosh, I'm part of 27% of the country. So don't think of yourself as the very bottom trying to figure this out. You're already there if you have more than 1000 bucks. So... When did your process start? Well, <laughs> the process started when Rents. rental company that owned our apartment sold and the new one came in and wanted to raise rent like what, 30%? 30%. I wish this was like, I wish I could. We wish it was a joke. It was a one bedroom, one bathroom. It's 
I wish I could show shock. Oh, no. Really? I've never heard that before. We had even talked about buying a house after that lease was up. But at that point, it was like, it was cheaper for us to break the lease and buy a house than it was to stick with them and then buy a house after the lease was up. And lose like a lot. Yeah, we broke our lease six months in into the year. And yeah, we had to pay two months worth of rent up front. But honestly, we saved ourselves like over $10,000 in the Long in run. that six month period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Newlyweds broke your lease. One income. I'm getting you guys t-shirts. You can do this. That's amazing. Okay, so I'm just so glad. I love doing these interviews because you back up everything that not everyone's situation is different. You never know. But for you, breaking your lease made way more sense. I tell people all the time, you can't think just in your present day mindset. You have to think big. So, wow, when that hit and you guys realized the big rental increase, those were all the changes that you did. When did you get connected and how long between getting connected with a unicorn were you ready to get out and look at houses? How much financial time did you guys have to put together? So I think for us, because I kind of started, like I kind of hatched ideas a few months in before my head before I even tell my husband, but I would say that I started listening to your podcast in July 22, maybe a few months prior to that. I started saving money, started really thinking about we kind of need to do this everything going on in the world and i think you hooked us up with our our baltimore unicorn in like august and we were under contract by october uh, the first week or second week of october and this is all 2022 yeah so we were pretty we were quick yeah so i know it's kind of crazy but yeah it was kind of like a five six month process like all right We're going to do this. We're going to buy a home. We're going to make it work and we're going to figure it out. And our realtor was on vacation when we picked out our house, our our our, unicorn. Our unicorn took care of us. (laughs) Yeah, no, he. So thank you. We were like, we're going to hold off and let you come back and then we'll jump back into this. And literally like the next day we saw this house and we were like, that's the house. And I was texting him from like, he was in Italy and I said, hey, we found a house. And yeah, so. One of the little hidden things I don't talk about a lot about the unicorns is anyone that's been, there are great newer agents who, if they're trained well, but the longer you've been around, the more people, you know, the bigger staff you have, or just friends. When I sold my own house, I didn't have my team do it. I had another agent I knew that I have taco Tuesdays with, and it's like, okay, this guy's going to do, cause you can't have your own name on it when you do it. So I'm sure he had plenty of people there able to be able to help you out. Wow. Sold it from Italy. That's awesome. How was the process for you? Because early 2022 was rough. Were you guys in multiple bidding wars? We actually... No, we got lucky. There were a couple of houses we had thought about putting a bid on and it we just decided not to. And then I think we put in about five over what they were asking for this place and it ended up working out because they had a bid come in about three over asking so we got our bid accepted but i will say this that we've had some other friends in the suburbs of baltimore who would say a house would go on the market on like wednesday or like previews like some realtors would kind of get like let their get the in first and then by saturday you put your offer and you know by monday if you got the house or not so I think we were thankful we didn't get like in a crazy bidding war, but a few of our friends definitely had that experience. (laughs) I know. 
reading between the lines, though, it sounds to me like you had, in order to move that quickly, even with a great unicorn support team, you had to have your ducks in a row first so you could pounce if you wanted to. Absolutely. Prep work, so extreme. And all of your podcasts about credit, all of your podcasts about the little things or the apps. I can't remember the name of the one that I use. It was the budget one, like... It's skipping my brain. We tried out like two or three. Yeah, we tried two or three of them. There's one that has initials that I always forget. Yeah, the BY. Yeah, something Y. I always call it PYT because it's a song I like. But yeah, something your own something. Go back. It's it's in the financial episodes. It's probably episode 19 or 20. The first couple of the financial seven steps, seven episode series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear good things about that one. And some of them cost a little bit, and some of them are more complex, and some of them are just basic. So I tell people all the time, anybody can go into your own bank account online and say, withdraw $50 a month and put it here. And you can rename your savings account. Call it, don't touch this for dumb stuff, stupid. This is for the house. And it'll show up every time you pull it up on your phone. I think you need that. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay, so you were prepped. You were ready. You were ready to offer over and you wanted to on this one because you guys, obviously you liked it. You called Thomas in Italy. It kind of, The way this kind of worked was that we had, he had one of his other associates, great team, show us the property and said, oh, you know, I like this one. And then we were supposed to go see another house. We had to wait two or three days. And then I woke up in the middle of the night and I'm like, I need this house. I can't believe I didn't put like, I just knew. And I think. He comes sometimes you have to let it sink in a little bit. And I was like, yep, I want this house. We haven't seen anything better. Absolutely stunning. I was like, we need this. And he looked at me, he's like, You sure? And I'm like, Yes, absolutely. So that was kind of the biggest thing. We did put our offer in. And even with that, like we did a little bit over because the initial so they initially had a, a bid fall through because of financing. And they were at 10 over what was asking. And so we kind of split the middle ground there just to hopefully be above some people and kind of be more likable as buyers. That's kind of where our feeling to overbid just a little bit came from and it worked out. So that's really smart. I tell people all the time, if you get any information, consider yourself lucky. There's people that think, oh, they're going to tell me everything. No, they're not. Absolutely not. And I think another thing too is when you do go to buy a house, you it feels so terrifying. Like you've saved all of this money, cut back on all this stuff. And I think my go phrase was I sneezed $500 here or there between like fees or, you know, like like little things like that that just come into the home buying process. And I think I got to kind of take that back a little because I've just gotten so used to it. But again, if you have a budget, you have a, I think my biggest, which we'll get into two later. My biggest thing was I thought I could have a house that was like on my most highest end. And then reality hit when we had numbers. And I said, oh, wow, there's a lot that goes into, you know, when you get that, I forget the name of what it's called. Closing costs. Like not just closing costs, but when you get that, the HUD or that summary of all of the costs. And I'm like, yeah, I thought I could afford a house that was maybe twenty or $30,000 more. And I'm like, boy, I'm happy I kind of stayed within that budget and didn't or didn't go over what you were looking for monthly or for a down payment, really just like, again, sticking to those numbers. And yeah, that's all I want to say. Sorry. (laughs) There is a discipline to it. That's why I dropped so many truth bombs on the podcast. It's like, Hey, we're going to get in. First of all, you're going to stand naked and show me all your bank statements. I want everything in the world from you. That's going to be from the lender. 
you're going to feel like you're naked. And then we're going to go, okay. And then I become the dream crusher. You know, it's like, this is what I think I was getting. That's why I stress so much to understand and realize the positives of the numbers because it'll help keep you going. You know, when you run into that, oh, 500 here, 500 there, you know, everyone's asking for everything. That preparation really helped you guys. What would you say are, were some of your biggest fears going into the process? And we want to hear it all. Did they come true or were they something that was more of a myth and not really a fear for you? Something that didn't turn out to be as scary or what was scary and sucked? Oh, well, we could tell you about the horrible nightmare we had, like, the day before we went to close on our house. <gasps> Let's hear it. Oh, Let's spill uh, the tea. Spill the tea. Okay, so spilling the tea. Bottom line being, it was definitely not our unicorn team of our realtor, our lender, or our title company. Yeah, this was not But their fault this was, um, like, when you go to close on a house, sometimes you have to wire a down payment, right? And that's a large sum of money. Well... Sometimes they don't, if it's over a certain amount, they prefer it to be higher versus a cashier's check, right? Oh, you're getting all nervous already? I already know where this is going. So I'm going to take over because I'm the one who deal with this. (laughs) And me, the emotional The emotional trauma, yeah. So I won't name names, but we went to a bank. And we told the bank, I literally gave them a paper with instructions for domestic wire transfers and international wire transfers. I am not a banker. I don't know what you need on forms. I'm thinking, okay, they just need the routing number and they need the account number. And that's good. Perfect. On the international wire section of this, there's also an ABA number for a intermediary institution. They told me we need that number to send this to the right place. Which they did. There isn't an ABA number on the incoming domestic wire instructions. So, so they used the ABA number for the international in- institution and sent the wire transfer to the wrong place. And so it's now 24 so, hours before closing. Yeah. The bank doesn't have our money. So if we don't have it, we'd lose the deal. Again, it got a little more complicated there, too, because we're you're in California, so the right three hours. Well, a long story short, they sent the money to a bank in California, and... Bank was awesome. Uh, they well, got the on, money. Hold but... on, wait. So I checked the next morning at 9 a.m., like, hey, it's been 24 hours, y'all get the money? The title comes like, no, we didn't. Like, what's going on? So they start calling and scanning through all their bank numbers, and I say... I'm going to call the bank. The bank told us to call the 1-800 number to get our wire taken care of, not to go in person. My husband went anyway in person, but they're like, yeah, there's nothing we can do for you. And it can take up to 90 days to get your wire transferred. And that's if you get it back at all. If you get it back at all. That's if you get it back at all. Yeah. Again, the good news is that around 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, the money got sent back to our account. We hadn't known yet, but we up the creek without a paddle and i'm like at work and i at work and i'm ta- i'm helping i'm skipping classes in, yeah. on the phone with these people <laughs> I'm and, like, yeah. taking care of patients and i'm like not gonna cry in between so the but- intermediary institution did their job is they were like where the heck is this money supposed to go and why did it come and to us in the first back. place and so, so they sent it back yeah but so yeah i think our biggest takeaway for that is is if you can and your lender will allow to always check with them. If you can get a cashier's check and have it in your hot little hand and give it to them when you're going to closing, 
I always highly recommend that because again, it's something where you can just un, like you put in one wrong number and then your money could be gone. Sometimes they can get it back. But that was our biggest, I think. That was the biggest roller coaster during this buying process. I don't think I've ever had that much money that just kind of like gave to somebody and I'm like, oh, it's gone. Yeah. Okay. So let me jump in and get some bullet point lessons here then. So you were wiring the money from your account? Yes. At what I'm assuming is a large bank institution. Yes. So you went to the bank institution on the day of? The day. It's two days before. Two days before. Two days before. To do the wire. Yes. Okay. I have had this happen before. One of the things that probably one of the biggest things I see people do, especially now, is, and I'm not saying you did this at all, but things move so fast that you assume that certain things are just going to go quick, especially now that we can do everything on our phone. So one of the things that I tell people is, if you know a wire's coming, you can't. Now, this is way over the top. I'm not saying it was anyone's fault for not telling you this, but I've had people go into the bank a couple days earlier, ask for a manager, make sure you have a half an hour because you're going to sit there and wait. So is to prep for that, to go in and talk to somebody and say, hey, I'm going to wire a giant amount of money. I've never done that before. What's the process for that? And then have the manager tell you what it is, sign it, make sure the manager's name's there. So if they're not there the next day, and then you go in and when you're talking to banker number four, who just got transferred there last week, who only does these every once in a while, but oh my gosh, thank goodness you had the right people. And that's another thing. You had the right team helping you follow it up with your unicorn team and the title companies and the lenders. Since you're working with good people that you're not on an 800 number to them, they're going to be able to get back to you. Wow. That's crazy. Oh, goodness. Well, I'm glad. How do you guys like the house? You're in it. Oh, we love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. We have we have cats. Sorry if you hear me out in the background. I apologize for that. No, we love it. It's homey. <laughs> Absolutely love it. It took us about a month to kind of, you know, it's a how you buy a house, but then you make it a home. So yep. it's been absolutely great. We actually, I've never lived in a bigger house in my life, so... It's nice that we have like our own space. Like I can actually have to yell to my husband, hey, can you hear me? <laughs> and he can't hear me. So I'm sure it's like music to his ears that he can't hear. <laughs> we do have an, it's so actually weird, funny thing about the house is it's so old that it's got a little intercom system in it. It's 20 years old. Yeah. But I mean, like <laughs> I had never seen an intercom system in a house <gasps> and they've got like one in the middle of the upstairs hallway. And so she can just push the button and talk to me while I'm doing the dishes. Oh, wait, it works? It works, yeah. Oh, because where I grew up, I mean, believe it or not, here in Southern California, most of this was built up post-World War II, 50s and 60s. A bunch of them, any two-story has one. All my friends growing up, not one of them worked because they were 50 years old, you know. But, wow, that's really cool. Yeah, no, that's interesting. But, yeah, that's just one of the little quirks of the house that we... Yeah. We're like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> now, how did it go? I know you guys said your rent was going up like crazy. Have you had to, or is there a big difference between your rent and your current monthly payment now? Something you're adjusting to. So with the increase, I think maybe with our mortgage, we're paying like 50 more dollars a month. Get out of town. Oh, no, so that's real it's, nice. It is. So, I mean, I think our biggest thing is that we did save and we had a, a little bit larger of a down payment. But the biggest thing for us was that we wanted to have something that 
made sense and we could stick to again. Like larger, like 60% down or? No, no, no. About 15. Yeah. Oh my gosh. 50% yeah. down. You're only paying $50 more. Yeah, yeah. honestly. Well, and, so, okay. Yeah. We did have to pay a point up front because we were supposed to be locked in at like 5.5% and it jumped up to like 5.75. This is right before the big federal hike came. But again, yeah. you know, in the long run, you sneeze a few thousand dollars from just <laughs> little menial things like that. I know it's ridiculous, but. No, but it's true. But what's crazy is everybody, when the rates jumped from three and a half to five, called me and said, that's it. I'm out. Can't do it. And then it went to seven and they're like, no way. You guys, you didn't downgrade neighborhoods. You're not living in the slums. You went from an apartment to a comparable place, except now you own it. And it's $50 more and you're at five and a half-ish interest rate. Yeah. 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 And it was around October 20th. So, and I know things kind of went up. I have a few other friends that are like, do we do it now? Do not. I said, go listen to David Sedoni and how to buy a home. I don't want to answer your questions. It's coming. This will drop sometime in December of 2022. Right after that, you're going to hear all my 2023 talk. The rates will probably get close down to where you guys are right now next year. So happy for people. So it has to. And, and it's going to based on economic factors that we saw. But What's amazing is people are saying, I'm never going to get it where it's close to my rent because all those people who did that got their interest rates at 3%. My takeaway from your story is you guys did it at five and a half with only, and I say this not because it's awesome that you guys say 15%. You, you didn't put 50% down to have the same price. You did a regular old down payment. That's incredible. Wow. Okay. Any other tips, any other surprises besides the holy hell? Of the wire issue. <laughs> Another big thing is inspection. Do yeah. not, I mean, I know you, you totally like talk about this all the time. Do not waive your inspection. Take the, <laughs> take the time to, like we had, like, you know, when you go to, when you have an inspection company, they sometimes have add-ons, like, I don't know, one like mold. Pipes. Yeah, scoping the pipes, huge ones. So our Did you do that? Yes, and we were willing to walk away when they try to tell us no. I'm telling you, there is, I've been doing this 16 years. That wasn't part of what I, I did at the beginning. It wasn't offered. It was like a bazillion dollars extra. Then I had a client about eight years ago that bought a house and like five months later, their whole front yard sunk in. Yeah. And if you're paying, I get nuts when people say, well, the inspection is $600, but I found another guy that'll do it for 475 Cool. Pay for the inspector and pay for the sewer. Totally agree. Well, and like for us, with my real estate background, my dad had a property that had issues with the pipes. And so when they came back and they were like, we're not going to scope the pipes, I was looking at my wife and I was like, look, that is a $10,000 fix. Potentially. Potentially, if we are the ones who have to do it. And I'm not willing to pay that on top of buying a house. When you could pay maybe 500 To get it scoped and find out what you're getting into. Just to be safe. You know, it's like I say it on the podcast. My kids are 16 and 12. This is like you guys are the, oh, that was my phone wants to say hello. I thought I put you on do not disturb. That's like when the, the kids come home and tell me how brilliant their teacher is. And they say something back to me that I've said to them five thousand times 
at least you said it about the inspection, and now all my listeners will actually, all you homies out there, you heard it from people who actually did it. Good job. Congratulations. <laughs> so now that you're in, these are wonderful, amazing tips. This is part of the reason why people listen to these interviews, but let's get into it. Your mindset was potentially, with the real estate background, your mindset was potentially, this is a great house, we like it. How long were you guys thinking about living here, considering the fact that somewhere in the back of your mind, you were thinking, this could be the building block to our financial future if we keep it and rent it out? So I am from Texas, and I will get back to Texas, <laughs> and I have been slowly wearing my wife down to move back to Texas. And so with still being in school, it's a... Having a, kids in a few yeah, years. Yeah, having kids in a few years. Where jobs are. I'm looking at a computer, like an information systems computer degree, and it just happens to be that this is the area for it. And so all of that stuff is kind of factoring in as we're talking about how long we're going to live here. And so right now, it's probably looking at five to seven years, which is a fairly decent amount of time. Yeah. And so it, it could be as much as 10 years. I'm hoping that it's not that long personally, but it was going to be an investment in time in this area before again, we would ever see it, it as a rental property if we do. And it becomes equity. I mean, it, it takes some years for that to happen. But if I was still renting, I literally could throw up. I mean, I rented for three years between the time before I met my husband, we got married and lived there for a year. It was probably like, if I had to take a guess, what $65,000 from the time I moved out on my own that, I mean, you know, that we just, it's kind of like wasted. And maybe you're like, you're like, well, you know, you're out of college. You don't want to buy a house as soon as you, you know, graduate. Totally understandable. If we even cut that in half, that's still $40,000 that we're kind of <laughs> just kind of, it's gone. Never going to see it again. That's why I just, I put the blinders on and say, no way. But I think, again, it's we own it. Like, it's ours. It will, to have something your own and not to have your money being thrown away like you are putting it into something, it's just so super important because if something does happen or if, you know, you do want to maybe buy another home someday, hopefully your house will appreciate and have value and you can use it towards it. Or if you keep it in a rented portfolio, that's passive income that you're going to add into it. So many different options. Still trying to figure it out. Okay, everybody. I say it every time. Hit the rewind. I get people on here with their real life stories and it's smarter and better than anything that I could say. Hit the rewind and listen to that because here's what I, some of the things that I heard that are amazing. If you're a young college student, don't be like Allison and me who spent yours was 68. Mine was $104,000 and that was 1990s dollars. So that's probably like 300 grand now. The biggest thing I hear people say is, I don't want to do it because what if I'm going to move when I'm 24, 25? What if I find this awesome duty from who comes and sweeps it off my feet and will actually listen to me when I tell him all these things all the time, screaming from across the house that we have someday? Then that particular great, but if you are listening to that today and you're 21, 22 years old, hear what they're saying. Even in a five or seven year plan or a two or three year plan, there's always the backup of the keeping it as a rental and then you're not throwing money away. And especially when you figure that the rent, if the rent is close to the mortgage and if that rent is going to be the same price in your area, you guys scored. And then I love to hear that you said it's a five to seven year plan where the market's going right now. Just truth bomb everybody. Two to three year plans to sell. Not the best idea right now. 
you're going to be looking at at least a five to seven year hold. So when those Texas dreams come a calling, you might be where I would have been. If I'd bought a house at 21, at 28, I would have been about break even on the sales price, but I would have put all that money into principal and not been paying it to a landlord. And then I could have rented it out and gone and lived out my dream, which was not Texas. Love you. But I was going someplace else. But yeah, this five to seven year plan is perfect for you guys. So I was curious because having that real estate background and, and having the idea that a portfolio, because you are a homeowner, you now have options. In five to seven years, you can use this as the piece of your puzzle, or you can use this as hopefully a down payment towards like the forever home. And then you can really dig into those seconds and thirds and whatever else that you want to do. But you never have those options if you didn't start buying in the first place. That's amazing. Well, and with your good luck with school and with degrees and stuff and and remote, you're probably going to be able to move wherever you want to in five to seven years. I hope so. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's very, very exciting. And I'm so glad that you guys found us. And I love that that unicorn team we've got up there in Baltimore. That's so exciting. They were able to help you guys out. Any parting words for all our listeners? I think you guys have given us everything, although I'm sure we could do another hour if you wanted to. I don't have anything to add. Well, of course I do. Women always the last word. I think my best, my biggest advice is don't be afraid. Take your time, but not too much time. Listen to David, what he has to say. Listen to all of the podcasts. Do it while you're driving. Do it while you're cooking. You have the time. Don't wait. You got this. I guess I just think of something. Don't be afraid to walk away. Sometimes we find that house that is like, we really want it and it fits us perfectly. But if it makes you compromise on something, do not be afraid to walk away because there will always be another house. I couldn't agree more. The reason people are not confident is because they're not knowledgeable. That is not your fault. Ignorant is not a bad word. The more that you know, and Allison, I'm so glad. I don't know if we were best friends while you were washing dishes or you were walking the cats. I don't know. Or drive into work. If I was your commute buddy, the more information you get from a source that you trust, then the easier it is for you to walk away from something because you feel like you have knowledge. Yeah. You're not making choices based in fear. You're making choices based in fact. And like Allison even said, don't get analysis paralysis, get into it, get going. And then when it's time to make the move, especially now, 2023, y'all, it's going to be time. It's going to be time for the buyer. So, okay, this is great. Thank you guys so much. I really, really appreciate it. And enjoy your home in Baltimore. Thank Thank you you so much, David. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. I love these interviews because there's so much I could say. But guess what? So much was said in that interview. Instead of me talking about it, rewind, go back and listen. And please, if you've got other renters out there who are finding out that their rent's going to be going up in 2023, this is the year of the first-time buyer. Share this podcast. Write a review on Apple. You can also write a review on Spotify. All you have to do is listen to one episode and write your review right afterwards. It's really helpful to keep the revolution going so we can help other people who can find out that they can buy a home for only 50 bucks more than their rent. I know we had a little break here during the holidays at the end of 2022, but we've got some exciting things coming in 2023. And of course, no matter where you are in the process, there's plenty of stuff in the back catalog that I'm sure pertains to where you are now. Maybe you listened to some of the financial stuff early, and now it's time to go back and listen to some of the nitty gritty. 
share the podcast, talk about it on Reddit, Facebook, the social medias. Good luck to everyone. And I'm so excited for 2023, the year of the first time home buyer. You can do this.